All right, turn our Bibles tonight to 1 Samuel chapter number 8. 1 Samuel chapter number 8. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, I appreciate the music as always. 1 Samuel chapter number 8. And I look forward to bringing the message that the Lord has put on my heart. Uh, and I mentioned to you this morning that I'd be preaching tonight on the danger of overreaction. And uh, I look forward to uh, sharing these truths that God has uh, made obvious to me tonight. And uh, my wife and I, we were able to get away for the uh, week, this past week, and we went up to the mountains and uh, spent a few days up there where it's nice, it was nice and quiet. And I was able to do uh, some, get some rest and to think a little bit and quiet my mind, uh, spend some time in prayer and uh, prepare several messages uh, while I was up there. And uh, I sent the ladies in the publication office, I think, 16 chapters uh, for one of my next books. And so uh, Mrs. Powell has that. And Mrs. Triplett will have all those back to me edited by Tuesday. And so I'm excited. I'm excited about uh, what I'm able, able to do. And uh, as I got away, I begin to think of this. This is actually going to be a chapter in one of my new books, but I want to preach it tonight, and I think it's a very, very important truth for you and I to be reminded of. Uh, you already know what I'm going to preach on, the danger of overreaction. Um, a Christian should not have reactions. You may say, well, Pastor, you know, everything's that we react off what others do. Our reaction should be an action. Uh, this Bible tells us how we are to act in every situation, a reaction is emotional, uh, and we should not let our emotions dictate how we act. Uh, that's why it's important uh, for you to establish what the Bible says about Bible principles and live by Bible principles. Uh, you say, well, what if somebody does this? Well, my reaction should be what I've already decided my action is going to be. And uh, we'll get into this tonight, and I want to. I want you to give me your attention. I'm going to have to be very methodical and measured tonight because, b- besides the introduction, I have seven uh, points in the outline tonight, and then I have four points telling us how to react, deal with the seven points. And so, if you're good at math, that's only four points, and so you don't have to uh, uh, lose focus tonight. Uh, but I do want to. I want you to give me your attention. I believe this is an important subject. First Samuel chapter number eight, verse one. And it came to pass, when Samuel was old, that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of his firstborn was Joel, the name of his second was Abiat. They were judges in Beersheba. And his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside every uh, turned aside after lucre, and took bribes and perverted judgment. What a sad verse. Uh, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. And it's sad when those who are raised, not just in a preacher's home, it's sad when those in a preacher's home. By the way, not everybody that lives in a preacher's home is called to be a preacher. Uh, but not everybody that lives in a preacher's home you know, is destined to do. Everybody, they're individuals. God has a plan. But it's sad when they forsake what they've been entrusted. Same thing with the generations that were privileged growing up. And uh, the challenge there is for our our. There's always a next generation to uh, keep that which they've taught. But we find his sons in verse number 3, walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre and took bribes and perverted judgment. Verse 4, that all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel unto Ramah and said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel, and when they said, Give us a king to judge us, and Samuel prayed unto the Lord. We have a very important story here, very pivotal time in the history of the nation of Israel. If you recall, in recent weeks, I've preached from 1 Samuel, used Samuel as our uh, example of some things that we should adhere to when it comes to faith, brought other messages from this passage of Scripture. This was not a a highlight in the history of the nation of Israel. Uh, God had judged Israel the ark had been taken. You remember Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, and the wickedness that they had brought to the house of God. And when they lost the presence of God, that child, that grandson of Eli that was born, named Ichabod, meaning the glory has departed. It's a dark day. The enemies of God had afflicted God's people. 
In 1 Samuel chapter number 7, you find, I preached from this not too long ago, you find Samuel telling them, if you do this, you can get back what you lost. And to the people of God's credit, they did that, and God vanquished the enemies. Samuel returned to Ramah, as the end of verse number 7 tells us. And now we have the people, the elders, coming to the prophet of God and saying, we want a king. Tonight, I want you to listen very carefully as we look at this passage of Scripture, as we speak on the subject of the danger of overreaction. Father, I pray tonight that you would help us. I pray that we would give attention to the Word of God. I pray that as the Holy Spirit of God leads us and instructs us tonight, that we would have some guiding principles. Because the truth of the matter is, we have already experienced, and we will more so in the future, Situations that we don't understand, situations that we're not uh, excited about, but we have to be careful uh, to depend on you uh, to work through those situations. Father, I pray that you'll bless your people tonight. May we heed the word of God, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A simple definition of the word overreaction is a more emotional and forcible response than justified. A more emotional enforceable response than justified. It's an overreaction. Because of overreaction, nations have been destroyed. You study history, wars have been started because of an overreaction. Kingdoms have been toppled because of overreactions. Churches have been split because of overreactions. Homes have been destroyed because of overreactions. Lives have been shattered because of overreactions. Many have destroyed their own life because they have overreacted about a certain situation. Many lives have been destroyed because somebody else overreacted because of a situation. In 1 Samuel chapter number 8, we see a real problem. The scripture tells us of a real problem. It is in verse number 3. Samuel's sons did not walk in the way that they had been reared to walk. They were judges. Samuel had made them judges, and the Scripture tells us they walked not in his ways. That's bad enough. Samuel was a man of God. Samuel was a man of faith. Samuel was a great man of God, a prophet of God, and they walked not in his ways. They turned aside. Why? Because they were after lucre. They were after the the payment of this world. They took bribes and perverted judgment. They were tainted in their verdict. They would would act on behalf of God, and it was always tainted towards their bribe. What was going to benefit them? You and I both know that Samuel, that was not the way Samuel was. Samuel was going to say what God said. Saul is going to be a testimony of that. But we find a real problem for his sons, these judges, to not walk in his ways is a real problem. It needed to be dealt with. There is a real problem in the fact that their judgment was tainted. It was tainted by bribe and desire to benefit themselves. We see a real problem in Samuel's son, and we also see the wrong reaction, which is an overreaction. Because of the actions of your son, make us a king. We've never had a king before. We have always depended on God to lead us and guide us, but because of the failures of another, we want to do away with the way God has done things since our nation's existence. And now we want a king. That's a pretty large leap from man's failure to man's rule. Think about the foolishness in this. Because man has failed, our our, our response is, we want man to rule over us. What an overreaction. Now, there is a real issue, there's a real problem, but what alters the future of Israel was not... Samuel's sons. What altered their future was the overreaction 
of the elders of that nation coming to Samuel and saying, this is what we want because of your sons. I'm going to get ahead of myself. The problem in our nation is not the actions of some. It's the overreactions of a people to what somebody else has done. Your victory as a Christian doesn't hinge on what somebody else has done. Your victory as a Christian hinges on whether or not you're going to overreact to the reality of a problem. Let me use a few illustrations. A Christian gets offended at church. And instead of trying to scripturally deal with that offense, I'm just never going to church again. That's an overreaction that alters generations. The pastor mistreated me, so I'm giving up my standards, my soul winning, my Bible. That's an overreaction. And you can flip that around to the pastor of today The people won't listen, or the people didn't do what I thought they should do, so therefore, I'm done with them. I'm not going to pray for them. That's an overreaction. Here's one that's plaguing our nation today. I sent my kids to Bible college, and that didn't work out, or that college changed, so I'm never going to send any out again. That's an overreaction, because now there's a dearth of pastors. There's pulpits with no pastor. There's a lot of reasons, but one of them is an overreaction to what has happened in the life of an individual. Or, this may apply, may not apply. I tried that. I I gave it a little bit of time, and, and it wasn't a pleasant experience, so therefore I'm forfeiting the call that God's placed on my life. That's quite an overreaction. Let me use a personal illustration, and I've got this written out, so I'll read it in in a hypothetical that goes with it. Several years ago, my wife and I were traveling, and we stopped at a Cracker Barrel restaurant in Valdosta, Georgia. We typically order the same thing, but Cracker Barrel was featuring several specials. I varied from the usual and decided to order one. The meal was uneventful, and eventually we made made, made our destination and checked into our hotel. We barely gotten settled in. I became extremely ill. Apparently, the special that Cracker Barrel was offering that day was food poisoning. <laughs> I will spare you the details, but I have never been as sick as I was that night. It was several days before I recovered. Since then, I have eaten at several different Cracker Barrels, many different times. As a pastor, I often host guests at Cracker Barrel. However, I've never eaten at that Cracker Barrel again. My travels have taken me to that same exit, but I've never eaten there since that fateful day. As a matter of fact, my stomach begins churning the moment I pass it. (laughs) Now imagine, if I had decided to never eat at any Cracker Barrel again. Not only that, but I took the time to organize a group to protest the very existence of Cracker Barrel. Then I spent my days writing blogs, harassing on social media, and threatening anyone who decided to eat at Cracker Barrel in spite of the fact that they had never had a negative experience at Cracker Barrel. But I do not stop there. I go so far as to label the management and every employee of Cracker Barrel as complicit in the cover-up of the poisoning of its patrons. I then go to the media who are all too eager to sensationalize and slander the Cracker Barrel employees and label them a cult. Get the picture, the reporter bemoans the fact that these employees are brainwashed into wearing brown aprons to work every day. (laughs) Sounds crazy, right? This is the kind of overreaction that takes place amongst Christian people, and the damage is indescribable. All because of an emotional enforceable response that is unjustified. With that as our backdrop, I want us to look, because we've got much to get to in 1 Samuel chapter number 8. I'm going to give us some things that ought to frighten us about overreaction. 
bear in mind that Samuel, the prophet of God, when they listened to him, God blessed, God moved. There's a real issue. His sons had strayed. It had created a problem. It did not please God. It did not honor God. It had affected the people. But we have an overreaction. We want to do away with what God has done, how God has governed us, and now we want a king like the other nations. I'm going to point out some things that seven of them in this story, in this passage of Scripture, that ought to be a warning to us about the danger of overreacting. We see this, and I don't have time, and I don't need to give commentary on it because all you got to do is go to social media, and everybody else is giving commentary on what's going on in our nation and the overreaction of this and that. We're seeing a picture in our nation of overreaction. But more importantly, overreaction can destroy your life. People's names come to mind. Their faces pop in my head when I think about this, who were busy serving the Lord, doing more than we're doing. And because of something unexpected or a real problem, they had a greater emotional response than they should have. And instead of being in the house of God, instead of having their Bible open in front of them tonight, they are in situations that would be, you would never describe them as a Christian, or they sit in bitterness, ineffective. In the, in the spiritual battle that we wage war in. So pay careful attention. I'll move through these as quickly as possible. I want to make the point. Number one, I want us to see the overreaction leads to outrage. Look at verse number four. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel under Ramah and said unto them, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king that judges like all of the nations. The overreaction became to, came to outrage. Now we won't, something has got to be done. These elders, they didn't just all, all on their own say, you know, I feel impressed to go and talk to Samuel about this problem, and they all happened to get there at one time. No, they had been murmuring about the problem. And by the way, when, the, when people are involved, and that means everything in this world, there's going to be problems, and there's never a reason for people to get together and murmur and complain and, and, and gossip about a situation. Because what is going to happen? It's going to turn to outrage. To give some context to them approaching Samuel, you have to go back to chapter number 7, when Samuel, very strongly speaks unto them and says, you better get your heart, and I'm paraphrasing, you better get your hearts right if you want God to bless you again. Your, your, your wicked hearts are the problem. And now they come to him because his sons have left the way they're supposed. Can you imagine the, the conversations, the, the discussions together as the elders? Oh, well, Samuel said this and this and this and this. And I can't believe that. And look at the situation that he's in. What are we supposed to do? And that emotional response becomes an outrage. We live in a culture that's called the outrage culture today. So we have to be careful with an overreaction. It leads to outrage. Number two, outrage becomes personal. Let's read verse number 5. And said unto him, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. That outrage is now becomes personal. Samuel, you're old. Now, this was not them making an observation for our benefit. God is very capable of revealing to us what stage of life Samuel was in. Samuel's going to anoint a king. Samuel's going to anoint a second king after they declare that he's old. I believe the context is, Samuel, you you don't have control of this anymore. You're too old, and yes, he was older. Yes, you're you're old. What does that have to do with the bearing of anything to do with his sons? This became a personal 
dealing with Samuel based on the limitations of his age. Notice what they say. Thy sons walk not in thy ways. You can't even keep your own house in order, Samuel. See, Samuel was still the prophet of God. Samuel was still the judge. Samuel was still the man that God spoke to, not his sons. And they came to him and said, let's, let's not deal with the sons, let's deal with you, Samuel. That outrage had become personal. When God's people, when there is a, an offense, when there is something that must be dealt with, you've got to be very careful that you don't let your emotions get control of you because it's gonna, it'll turn into outrage. I can't believe this took place. I can't believe that they're doing this. I can't believe that this is going on. I can't believe that. Can you believe that? We've got to do something. Samuel, maybe you just don't have it anymore. It became personal. It's amazing today in our, in, our, in our country how somebody who has overreacted is turned to outrage and they villainize people, they slander people who they've never had a conversation with, they've never met, but they become the face of everything they're upset with. It's because it becomes personal. It becomes about them, and we've got to deal with Samuel instead of even dealing with the problem that was there. So we said, number one, overreaction leads to outrage. Number two, outrage becomes personal. Let me remind you, in verse number seven, we find, And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me. God had to remind Samuel, don't, don't, don't take it personal. That gives further clarification to the fact that Samuel took it personal. Christian, don't take it personal how this world curses you and, and how this world would throw stones at what you believe. Man, we can take this into the political realm, but it's more importantly in the spiritual realm. It has to become personal. Because Samuel, you have to take care of something. You are the problem. And God had to tell Samuel it wasn't about him. But outrage is going to... Make it personal. Um, there's much more I can say on that, but I'll move on. Number three, outrage leads to poor judgment. Verse number five, don't miss this. And said unto them, Behold, thou art old, and thy sons walk not in thy ways. Now make us a king to judge us. That's pretty bad judgment. It gets worse, like all the nations. Outrage leads to poor judgment. I wonder, I've grown up in church my whole life, independent Baptist church, Bible preaching churches. I wonder how many through the years have got offended and then they became outraged. Then they made it personal and then that led to poor judgment of leaving the things of God When your emotions are in charge, you don't have good judgment. You can't deal with the outrage mob. And sadly, with a Christian, we need to be, understand that when we overreact to a situation, it leads to outrage. It, it, it's inevitably going to, going to become personal. And now I have a face to put with my emotion, to put with my anger, to put with my rage, to put with my hurt, and somebody has to pay a price. Somebody's got to be responsible. Somebody has got to make this right. It becomes personal, and then it's going to lead to poor judgment. Now make us a king to judge us like all nations. We need to be reminded of how, how, how big of a deal this is. God had been judging them. God had been governing them. God had been leading them. And now they're saying, we don't want it the way God has established it. Give us the way everybody else is doing it. Let me just remind all of us, this fits in here uh, pretty nicely. The church is not to be run like the Fortune 500 business. The church is to be run how that Bible says to run it. 
but leads to some poor judgment. And there's too many, let me just put this in here, there's too many preachers who ought to resign because they're letting an outra- a mob that's outraged determine what they preach, how they preach it, where they stand, and it's leading to some bad judgment and there is consequences for others. So outrage leads to poor judgment. Number four. Overreaction rejects the sovereignty of God. Let me take you again back to verse number 7. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Hearken unto the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee. They have rejected me. That should not reign over them. Let me mention this before I expound on number 4. You parents that have a prodigal, quit blaming yourself. They have not rejected thee. They have rejected me. And by the way, if you've reared your children and they're upset because you reared them in a Bible-preaching church, don't you ever apologize to them. Don't you ever apologize to them. They have rejected God. They have rejected the Word of God. They didn't reject you. They didn't reject me. They didn't reject my predecessor. Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. The bigger picture, the importance of this, that overreaction rejects the sovereignty of God. How long had it been long enough for them to forget a man by the name of Eli? Who allowed and ignored the wickedness of his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. There was the failure of man. There was a real problem. There was something that had to be dealt with. And what did God do? God dealt with it. God was in control. And I wonder how many times the, the people of God saw what the wickedness of Hophni and Phinehas and how they made a mockery of the house of God and they brought their sin and their filth and their wickedness to the door of God's house. How many times and how many weeks went by when God's people just shook their head and said, is God, has, has God not in control? Is God, does God not see this? Is God not going to take care of this? But the time came when God said, now is the time I'm going to take care of it. And he judged Eli. He judged Hophni. He judged Phinehas. He judged the people of God. But he raised up Samuel. And in his sovereignty, he says, I'll judge my people, but I'm going to still give them a man that will deliver my words to them. Had they forgotten that this took place? Think of the irony of this. The very man they're speaking to, your sons have left the way. They're taking bribes to pass judgment. What the irony of the over the overreaction? God apparently has no control, so we're gonna take matters into our own hands, and we want a king. I wonder the thoughts that must have gone through Samuel's head. I'm here because of this same situation. If God can raise me up, he can raise another up to to take the place that needs to be taken, to fulfill the role that needs to be filled. But yet they pushed aside the sovereignty of God. And by the way, there's there's a trend, and it's not new, because there's no new thing under the sun. Our, our young adults, by the time they're 19, 20, they don't know who God, whose God's made is for them, so their overreaction is, well, there's nobody here, so I guess I gotta go find me one. You'll pay for that. There's consequences to that. God has proven over and over and over and over again that, that I am in complete control. Nothing new under the sun, and God raised up Samuel because of the failures of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. And their rejection of God 
They're saying that God can't do it again. Don't, don't we feel sorry for ourselves? Well, I'm the exception to every promise God's ever made. I know it's good that God worked that out. But, that, you know, I'm the exception. It's not going to work for me. You know, if you overreact and take things into your own hands, it's very dangerous. It's an, it's, it's an emotional response. When we overreact and we take matters in our own hands, it's a rejection of the sovereignty of God, of what God is doing. Many of you wait and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting in situations in your life and you're waiting for God to work and you're waiting for God to act and you say, well, nothing's going to happen. I'm just going to do it. That, that's a dangerous thing. God is in control. God has your life planned out. God is not taken by surprise by anything that takes place in this world. God was not surprised. He was very aware of, of, of Samuel's sons. He was very aware of their failures. He was very aware of their compromise. He was very aware of, of their wicked choices. He was aware of it. And just as he had raised up Samuel, he'd raise up another one if he had to. But the people didn't want God to take care of it. Because they were outraged, remember? Because they overreacted, they're making poor judgment, and they rejected the sovereignty of God, number five. Overreaction comes at a high price. Let's read verse 14 down through verse 18. God sends Samuel back and says, okay, tell them you're gonna have, they're going to have a king, but tell them what's going to happen. And he will take your fields and your vineyards and your oliveyards even the best of them, and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. And he will take your men servants and your maid servants and your, and your goodliest young men and your asses and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your sheep and you will, shall be his servants. And you shall cry out in that day because of your king, which he shall have chosen you, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. You can have your king. There's a high price to pay for your overreaction. There's a high price to pay, Christian, for not allowing the Word of God to govern us and allowing our emotions to govern us. We're living in a nation today where we have overreacted to the point where we want to fight the battles, we want to coddle, we want to feminize the male generation, we want, to, we want to do everything for them. And, and, and if things don't work out the way, if it's not fair, oh, you can have it this way, but there's a high price. And let me just help mom and dad tonight. Don't fight your, your, your child's battles for them. Pray for them. Support them. Teach them and instruct them. Be a good example to them. But you don't have to interfere to, to make things work for them. That overreaction comes at a high price. I've used this illustration many times, and, but, but, but it bears out. There are some who have overreacted to what has gone on in the church, and they've gotten upset, and they've gotten angry, and they've left the things of God. And then years later, you bump into them, and they ask, would you pray for my grandchildren? I don't even know if they're saved. There's a high price for your overreaction. Well, I just don't like the way this was taken care of. I don't like the way these people responded here. And so, therefore, I'm going to do A, B, and C. You better be careful because your overreaction comes at a high price. Just so Samuel, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. Go tell them they can have their king. But you tell them it's going to cost them greatly. We and I, we have got to trust God. We've got to trust His sovereignty. We've got to trust His Word. And overreaction comes at a high price. I don't know what everybody in here is dealing with, but you better be very careful how you overreact, how you act to it. And this just popped in my head, so let me just help us with this. Moms, just because life has been unfair to your child doesn't mean you've got to help make up for it. Yeah, that, that's about the response I thought I was going to get from that. God allows things 
to enter into their life to make them what they're supposed to be. To make them. I know what it's like to have your family, to have your child go through battles. I know what we know what it's like. I know what it's like to, to have to bury a child and there to be a sister gone. I know what that's like, but God ordained that. God allowed that. I cannot make up for that. It's an overreaction that there'll be a high price for. Number six. Overreaction victimizes others. Verse number 10, And Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. And he said, This will be the manner of the king that shall reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for himself, for his chariots, and to be his horsemen. And some shall run before his chariots. And he will appoint him captains over thousands and captains over fifties, and will set them to ear his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his instruments of war and instruments of his chariots. And he will take your daughters to be confectionaries and to be cooks and to be bakers. See, the overreaction of those elders today created victims, created circumstances that they never had a choice in. Those elders who got together and look at his sons and no doubt had been talking amongst one another. Let's go to Samuel. Hey, old man, you're, you're, you're past your prime. Your kids, you can't even control your own house. Now we want a king. We want a king like everybody else because that'll work so well for everybody else. We want a king just like everybody else. And God has said, they have not rejected you. They've rejected me. Tell them they can have it. And now there were sons and there were daughters who their future was altered and they never had a say in it. They never had a choice. Yet you, you, you overreact, but your son is now going to be virtually a slave to a king. He doesn't get to choose his future. He doesn't get to choose what he wants. Your daughters, they're not cooking for you. They're not cooking for anybody else. They're going to be baking for him. They're going to be serving him. You would think that when God sent Samuel back to say, this is going to, these are the circumstances, you'll have a king. They said, no, and they had to repent it. But we know that they did not. They sacrificed the future of their own children to appease their emotional response to appease their outrage, to appease their overreaction, they created greater victims than his sons. How sad, child of God. And I haven't done preaching like this in a long time. We haven't. Welcome back, by the way, those of you that are back for the first time today. Uh, I haven't done preaching like this in a while. But it's good for us to be reminded that when you make a decision out of emotion, it, you are deciding the future for people who don't even have a, have a choice in it. They're not going to get to decide. And you make decisions for your children that are in the nursery. You make decisions for your grandchildren of whether or not they'll ever sit in a, in a church service where the Word of God is preached and a salvation message is clearly given. We need people to act at a principle and flood those places, not leave them. Because we got upset. We made an overreaction, an emotional response See, their sons and daughters had no say. You, if, you, if, you, if you overreact to something going on in your life, you overreact to something that takes place, you overreact to how somebody offends you or what somebody says or doesn't say to you, you overreact to a situation you get to deal with at work or whatever the case may be, you overreact at life, it affects other people. You know, not everybody likes me. That comes shocking to you. Not everybody appreciates my stand. Not everybody appreciates the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Sometimes people have said bad things about me. They've called me not-so-nice names. I, am I going to pout? Am I going to quit? 
Am I going to overreact and say, oh, well, let me tell everything I know about you? That would be an overreaction, which would create victims who don't have a say. And you and I need to be reminded that there is a way that we respond in life, and the overreaction is going to victimize others. I want every Sunday when I come to this pulpit, and on Sunday morning when I preach as I did this morning, and Sunday night when I come to preach and I teach Wednesday night Bible study, I want my heart to be clean. I want my heart to be pure. I want, I want my, my, my conscience to be cleared. I want to bring what God has placed in my heart so that you can be helped, so that you can grow as a Christian, so you can be fed spiritually. And if I overreacted to life... You wouldn't have that. But what about your Sunday school class? What about the offense that, and you may not be dealing with anything tonight, but file it away. I mean, look around. Somebody here is going to offend somebody else. Somebody's going to say something. What did they mean by that? Did they mean, well, probably. We don't overreact to it. Number seven. Overreaction reveals the heart. From verse 11 through 18, Samuel tells them, this is what God says is going to happen when you get a king. We would hope that after all of that, they would repent of that and say, no, we change our mind. We don't want that. But we find in verse 19, nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, nay, but we will have a king over us, that we, may also, that we also may be like all the nations, that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. That's very revealing in verse number 20, isn't it? That we also may be like all the nations. Now we're getting down to it. Samuel, your sons. It's passed you by. You can't even control your own life. Your sons, because of your sons. Don't miss this. This just plays out over and over and over again. It will always play out this way. There is no new thing under the sun. We have an offense. We have something that has taken place. And now we're outraged about it, and that's got to be dealt with. Samuel, in your failures, we need a king now because this obviously is not working. Samuel goes to God and says, God, this is what they're saying. This is what they said. And God says, Samuel, it's not about you. It's about me. They haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. Go tell them they can have their king, but you tell them this is what it means. Samuel comes back and tells them what God says and said, your sons are no longer going to be yours. They're going to be the kings. Your daughters are no longer going to be yours. They're going to be the kings. He's going to take a tenth of your sheep. He's going to take a tenth of your fields, a tenth of your wheat. He's automatically going to get whatever he wants. That's the way it's going to be. And they said, Fine, that's what we want because we want to be like all the other nations anyway. It was never about his sons. It was about the fact that they didn't want to be under the rule of God anymore. They wanted to be like all the other nations. I challenge you sometime to go back and read chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10 and find where those sons ever come up again that those people feel that they need to be dealt with. God will deal with them. But they, overreaction, eventually is going to reveal the heart. If you have a heart of bitterness, you can hide it for so long. If you have a heart of unforgiveness, you're only going to hide it for so long. Eventually, the real motive for your outrage is going to be revealed. We see all this outrage in our nation today. Oh, it's about victims. Oh, it's about, it's about, it's, it's about justice. It's about, and these are the people who were committing the crimes. But eventually... The heart is going to be revealed. And Christian, let me just say, be careful to that religious cynic or that Baptist cynic who always is throwing rocks in the name of 
uh, this is a whole other issue, but you don't find activism in the Bible. It's not there. It's not a scriptural thing. Oh, you be careful listening because eventually their heart is going to be revealed. Okay, you can have it. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of sin and said, Nay, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations. I've used this as an illustration. I probably shouldn't use it again, but I will because we haven't really had to deal with this in a long, long time. But people leave churches because of a myriad of reasons. And I've said this in jest, and, 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 and I probably shouldn't say it, but yeah, we're down this road. But somebody ever came to me and said, Pastor, we're leaving because we're just backslidden. I, it's not because of you. It's not because of anybody else. We're just backslidden. I think I'd put their name on a plaque. I'd hang it in the restroom. Have you ever noticed that somebody who leaves a Bible preaching church, it has never been, be, in, in, in decades, in decades, you cannot find somebody who has ever left a Bible preaching independent Baptist church who have left because of their own sin. It's because of the pastor. It's because of deacon so-and-so. It's because of brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. You find people now who say, well, I'm not like that because you can't find any of them who've ever done anything wrong. You can't find any of them with a cold heart. You can't find any of them that's ever committed a fault. You can't find any of them who would say, well, I guess I just, I just got away from the Word of God. None of them. It's always somebody else's fault. And, and on top of that, we need an apology because we feel this way. It's amazing. Nobody, you can't find one in, in this world who would say in the last 40 years, I left the Bible preaching church because of me. It's because outrage becomes personal. But eventually, the heart gets revealed. Now, I've pointed out some things that we need to be aware of that we never need to take note of to protect us. Now, let me give you very, very quickly the proper reaction to overreaction. This is what the elders of Israel did, and it altered the course of Israel forever. It virtually made slaves out of sons and daughters, and that's a whole other sermon for another time. But now there's a proper reaction to overreaction. This is what I want you and I to pay close attention to. We find this pattern in the life of Samuel. Something you and I need to be reminded of, we cannot control the actions of anybody else. You and I are not going to give an account of what somebody else does. We're going to give an account of our reaction. If they overreact, what is my reaction to be? So the proper reaction to overreaction is, number one, go to God. Chapter 8, verse number 6. But the thing displeased Samuel, and he went and blogged about it. But the thing displeased Samuel, and he went and posted it on Facebook. But the thing displeased Samuel, and he made a phone call and called somebody else who had been through the same thing. No, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us, and Samuel prayed unto the Lord. There's a lot of overreaction, a lot of outrage in our country. You know where we've made our mistake? We've answered outrage with outrage. We've answered out overreaction with overreaction. I, I don't like, I mean, I'll just be kidding, I don't like the overreach that I see in our nation. I've read too much history. I, I know how our, fan, our founding fathers would feel about what's going on in our government. And there'd be some, and quite frankly, there'd be some gallows built. And then there would be, need to be some special elections for congressional seats. That's how our forefathers would feel about this. I've read too much history. I've read the bloodshed for us to have the freedoms. Yes, and we can talk about the overreaction. It, it, as an American, it bothers me. But I wonder how many outraged Christians have actually even gone to God about it. Have gone to Him and said, God, this is what they said. This is what's being done. You and I, 
we'll have to deal with things in our life that will bring this about. What are we to do? How are we to respond? We're to go to God about it. That's what Samuel did. Number two, don't take it personal. I've already pointed this out. Verse 7, he says, Hearken unto the voice of the people, and that they say unto thee, for they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me. Don't take it personal. The Samuel, don't take it personal. Christian, this Bible tells us that not everybody's going to like us. We're in a spiritual warfare, and we're ignorant of it. Just as God moves, the enemy moves. God uses people. He uses people. Not everybody's going to like where we stand. I'd be a pretty sorry preacher, a pretty sorry pastor. No way, man, right there. But uh, if, if, I did, if, I, if I built my messages, if I preached what I thought was not going to make me any enemies, we just have to not take it personal. There are times, and maybe tonight's one of those times, I know there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a Sunday night coming when I know I'm walking this pulpit and God's wanting me to deal with some things, and I know that I'm probably going to make an enemy of somebody. But I'm not going to take it personal. There's some of you right now that avoid, you're making life decisions and you avoid me because you know what I'm going to say about it if you ask me. But you can at least shake my head once in a while. And don't use the pandemic as an example. I've, I've seen you. Now, you avoid me because you don't, you know, I'm not going to take that personal. I can't take it personal. And mom and dad, when your kids, they get upset because you take a principal Bible stand in your home. Oh, I want them to like mommy. I want them to like daddy. You, you feed them. They'll come back. I promise. Don't take it personal. When you go out and you go soul wounded, you, you witness somebody and they slam the door in your face, don't take it personal. It's not a rejection of you. And that is an overreaction. It's a rejection of God. Number three, speak the voice of truth. Verse number nine, now therefore hearken unto their voice, howbeit yet protest solemnly unto them, and show them the manner of the king that shall reign over thee. Verse 10, and Samuel told all the words of the Lord unto the people that asked of him a king. Samuel said what God had said. You know, we need, a lot, we need to do a lot more talking about what God has said instead of about how we feel. As your pastor, I have an obligation to speak the truth to you. Well, my dad, you have an obligation to speak the truth to your children. As Christians, we have an obligation to let the voice of truth, God's word, be that which judges us with that which dictates how we interact with one another. So, Pastor, I, I don't want to forgive. It's not about what you want. It's about what that Bible says we're supposed to do. We're supposed to grant forgiveness before it's even asked. We're supposed to be gracious and give grace but speak the voice of truth. Don't be afraid to stand on truth. Don't be afraid to speak truth. Number four, and I know I've thrown a lot at you tonight, but I want you to pay close attention to number four. The proper reaction, overreaction is to let God work. The people had just responded at the end of the chapter, verse 19 and 20. Said, nay, we'll have a kingdom. That's okay. Take our sons, take our daughters, take portions of our field. Take, take, take our wealth, take all that. That's okay. We'll have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations that our king may judge us and go to before us and fight our battles. The heart actually reveals itself. And eventually, your heart will reveal itself. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. God already heard them. He says, I'm going to go tell God what y'all said. And he went and he told God. He said, God, then they said this, then they said this. He's probably angry at one moment because they said they didn't want God anymore, but then he probably wept a little bit because of it, because of the people and because of how much he loved the Lord. And then verse 22, And the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man into your, to the city. We know they do have a king. The future was altered. But Messiah still came. Jesus still left heaven and came to this earth, fulfilling the prophecies. Say, well, well, this is a change. It was intended for him to rule over them, but God knew 
man. And this did not catch God by surprise. And God said, I'll take their foolishness, and it will cost them. And what I said would take place will take place. But Samuel just took it to God and left it in God's hands and let God use it. And let God do what God chooses to do. Friend, it's not your place, it's not my place to do God's work. It's not our place to even the score with anybody. It's not our place to make something happen and, or I'll die. That's not us. It's not scriptural. When something takes place and there's an overreaction, we're supposed to take it to God and let Him do it. We're supposed to, we're supposed to take it to God and let Him work things out. You know, the life of Joseph comes to mind. You know the story well. They took Joseph, they sold him into slavery. He gets accused, thrown into prison. He becomes second in command, and Joseph's words were, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And God used the overreaction to that robe of many colors, that favoritism. You know, even having brothers, I can say that, that was an overreaction, selling them into slavery. But God used those actions to actually preserve the nation of Israel. So, Pastor, we, we got to do something about this. Why? Can God not do it? And we know all things work together for good as long as I get even. And we know that God, all things work together for good as long as God works it out how I think it ought to be worked out. Well, here's a good one. And we know all things work together for good as long as everybody knows I was right and they were wrong. Sometimes you're right, and the only person that knows it is God. But does it really matter if anybody else knows it, if God knows it? Oh, just trust God, just trust God. What about in the face of an overreaction? Are you going to trust God? Sometimes God allows the actions of others, their own poor decisions, unfortunately, is going to alter their future. But God is perfectly capable of taking that overreaction in using it in a way to preserve his people, to alter the course of a life for their benefit. We just need to leave it with we need to leave it with God. Let him do the work. Let him work things out. This is a world of overreaction. It's always been that way. But we as Christians should not be people of overreaction. We're all prone to. You ever got mad at somebody? I mean, like, yeah, I probably missed a few things on that. Well, I didn't know the whole story. So we shouldn't overreact. We ought to act. There's a lot of overreaction in our nation today. And, and the devil is using it. And nations, like I said before, overreaction, nations have crumbled because of overreaction. Churches have been destroyed because of overreaction. Christians have had their lives destroyed because of overreaction. We need to be warned of what overreaction will do in our own life. It would do in our church. That's why it's important that for every one of us to not live by the flesh, but to live by the Spirit. Don't let our emotions control you. You'll say things to somebody you shouldn't say. You'll respond in a way you shouldn't respond in. The pastor, well, they did this well. Okay. Now I've got two people that are wrong. Because we should not overreact. We've got to let God deal with the situation. I don't know what you're facing tonight. You may be facing something that this fits right in. We're certainly facing and dealing with some things as a nation. There's a danger in overreaction. In this instance, they were not worshiping the false idols. They just overreacted because their heart was not where it was supposed to be. And eventually it was revealed. So you can only live with that bitterness in your heart for so long, and then there's going to be something take place, and it's going to manifest itself, and you're going to overreact. You can only live with that sin, that unsurrendered heart. You can only operate with your heart pitched towards Sodom for so long before you have the wrong reaction to something that takes place in your life. 
And then it's, well, my mom and dad were too hard on me. Well, the pastor doesn't care about me. Or this person does this. Or churches, they do. And it's going to be an overreaction. And not only are you going to pay the consequences, but there's others who don't even have a say. They're going to pay the consequences. Let's respond the way Samuel responded. Let's respond the scriptural way. Father, I pray that these truths will help us tonight.